0: Blog Talk Radio. Radio, and I'm Marcia Joyner, host of Betrayed by Hospice, brought to you in coordination with Marcel Reed and the Whistleblower Summit, and our producer, Marty Oakley. They provide us a forum to warn others about the reality of hospice, as well as other topics. I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in and supporting our program by listening and sharing with your friends and family to help warn them of the dangers of trusting without verifying. It is my intention to bring awareness and show you so that you will recognize the red flags and that you are being lied to and steer clear of hospice, compassionate, free service. For me, this is extremely personal because my mom was murdered by hospice in the summer of 2017 in a Georgia hospice facility under the guise of compassionate care. Today, tonight... I have a guest with me. Um, I believe our time has been cut short. I'm not sure why. But um, I'm going to go ahead and change around and introduce my guest to give her an opportunity to talk um, if we are having any problems. And my guest is Katie, and she's going to share a story about a man and his wife that will sound like a lifetime movie. The names are changed because it's a pending case action Against care alternative hospice in new jersey the husband died at age 46 but it was was it really his time or did he have help katie will walk us through the tragic story of a man who lost his life potentially to someone he trusted so katie i'm going to let you go ahead and start and i'll roll in if um we don't have an issue with time here So welcome to the show, Katie.
1: Thank you. It's very, very good to be here. And I'm going to start with, um, in the world of television, what is typically known as a log line because it's an encapsulation of the core of the story. In 2006, we knew, the three of us, that our loved one was in danger. We saw the signs of a plot too early for us to be taken seriously We were former wife number one, former wife number two, and former mother-in-law. We were barred from seeing our loved one, but we formed an alliance and kept watch from afar and warned, unable to do anything else. Then it happened just as we predicted three and a half years later. So, that was a mouthful. (laughs) Uh, before I continue, I just want to clarify something. That my our story, uh, the only the only connection to Care Alternatives is that the elements of my of our story is concurrent, time wise, with a with a Key Tam case still live, still out there, uh, not not finished yet since 2008, which is the timeline that we are running in with this story, and because our loved one was under the care of Care Alternatives at the time. We ourselves do not have a case against Care Alternatives. Uh, That could change if Care Alternatives is found guilty in this really large case that has been Ongoing, um, people can read uh, more about that online if they just go to Google search and put in "Care Up uh, U.S.A. and New Jersey versus Care Alternatives," and they'll they'll bring up all the information about the case. I don't know anything else about the case other than what is has been made public already. And again, the fact that the timelines. Run concurrently because their case is relevant to 2008 through 2011, and that is the timeline of our story. At which at the time that it was happening, we didn't even know. We only found that out of, of really only this past year.
0: Okay, can so, I can I go yes. ahead and have you jump into the story because yes. I'm watching our time. We have nine minutes, and I do not understand why. Um, we're going to keep oh. going, but okay. I just need you to go ahead and jump into the story.
1: Well, basically, what happened was that the three of us knew that at this time uh, medications were uh, in the in the house of our loved one. Medications were in the house that belonged to other people that were being brought home from the nurse's job. She was a hospice nurse and uh, so other family members and the housekeeper at the time saw these other medications, and that our loved one would get sick after eating, but not if he cooked for himself. And so this put up a red flag. Um, we all know one another, so phone calls were made. We tried to, um, you know, we tried to make everybody be aware. You know, please contact. You know the patient, please contact and and see him or, or or talk with him, but we just weren't taken seriously. You have to understand we were on a three way uh audio conference in a, on a road trip on on this particular night in September, and we had heard a story um that put us on alert that he was that our loved one was going to marry he wasn't they were not married at the time that this medication was there Uh, they were not even married at the time that our insurance policies were being transferred into her name as the beneficiary we were not even at, at the time we didn't we found that out and then we said we have to get the family on alert no one took us seriously so as far back as September of 2006, I made the statement to to the two girls, he, he's in danger. She's, she's marked him. He, he's in danger. People don't act like this. And by the last week of December, wife number two said to me on the telephone, she's going to kill him right after New Year because other family members were coming in from town that the wife nurse wife number three would not have wanted in the house they would have known immediately something was wrong so this is where we were and of course um, he he was murdered we uh, through my last two years of research speaking with experts without having to fill in any information for the experts they told me that the main source of murdering patients, uh, has been known to be antifreeze. So I think that's the most important thing that I want to say, If whatever little time we have, is that if you see your loved one being injected with anything pinkish or greenish, it's not a drug. It's antifreeze. How did I find that out? Speaking to a hematology expert who has been an expert witness for the New York court system for 25 years, when uh, he actually asked to hear about my case uh, We both happened to be following um, Oh, another thing We happened to be in the same group online, if you will And he said, I'd like to hear about your case And so he introduced himself uh, This is a very experienced, uh, licensed hematologist And he's the one that said Well, they're, no, they don't usually use pentobarbital they, they use antifreeze And I said, what color is the antifreeze? And he said pink, and we knew from other family members in the house who later remarked that they had seen our loved one being given a pinkish-colored injection, but they were all too terrified to come forward to say anything. After the fact, um, uh, wife number one went to the prosecutor and tried to get a case going, but because we were not direct eyewitnesses, and we were not next of kin. We could not do anything at all. And prosecutors, at least in New Jersey, do not investigate the death of loved ones on hospice. They don't, they don't investigate hospice murder because people are expected to die anyway. And that is a, a very serious thing. And, you know, Marcia, you and I have talked offline, off the record, and I have explained to you that, in, at least in New Jersey, hospice does not have an ombudsman. Now, this same nurse wife had been brought to, brought to justice for trying to take real estate from one of her family members, and some, you know, some drugs were involved in that. Fortunately, the ombudsman caught it. And then she was made to give the real estate back. So that we knew that there, we, we we knew about that case, and we actually have a copy of it on file. So we're not whistling Dixie. We know it happened, and that is what we tried to explain to the family. But she really, these people are very, very convincing, as you already know, as everyone that suffered due to hospice. Uh, and and their their um, malfeasance with patients, they're very convincing. They can they smile are. at you. That's you know that's how it is. So let me ask people, you
0: something, ask, or, or ask when, you um, the children had seen vials of medicine I, with other people's names? I can't
1: comment on whether it was children. I'm going to say that other family okay. members, other household members, and the and the housekeeper. At the time prior to our loved one getting married, so it, that's when, so that's what that's what put us on alert back in 2006. We mm-hmm. we knew that something was going on, and that case came to us through another means. And we have the entire file, we have the entire file folder uh, from that case. So we knew that something that she was capable. Of this, and we knew from other people that she had offered to terminate someone else that had cancer, so we knew she was capable of it. we knew she was being extremely cruel to our loved one, we had a family member witnesses but it's ha we have to all understand that people are terrified to move forward to come forward they're terrified because they don 't know what will happen to them. And these people who look so sweet and convincing you that they're doing the best thing and you don't have to ask me about the medication with a smile are the same people that in a they're like Jekyll and Hyde in the next breath they're so cruel to the people that are dying I, I, the store I'll tell you what I can we I, <laughs> she's guilty of denying what in Healthcare terms and hospice terms are known as the right to a dignified death. She's guilty Absolutely. of that. Right. She's guilty of that, and that, that is, and for the record, that is a as you already know, that is a patient's right. They have a right to die a dignified death, and anyone that interferes with that is breaking the law. Absolutely. So for lack of an ombudsman, and these are these are very important uh, things for lack of an ombudsman, for lack of a doctor seeing the patient when the time is near or at any time that the patient is put on hospice, for lack of coordinated efforts like with a hotline that is specific to suspicious hospice problems, this is why this is allowed to continue. And then on top of that, The the spouse of the deceased or murdered person remains indefinitely as the next of kin so that no other family, at least in New Jersey, I don't know how it is elsewhere, but here you can never get the medical records. I know we tried. We tried 10 years ago. We tried even more recently. You can't get them because the next of kin has to sign off. Now, that law should change if you're remarried. How can you be married to two people? You are no longer married to the person that died, and especially if you're remarried. So that next-of-kin regulation has to be changed, and people need to change that. They need to get to their legislatures. uh, And also, the other thing, Marcia, is that uh, anyone that's listening – if they've had a problem with hospice, they've already had the problem, or they think they have a problem, they need to go into Google and set up a Google alert, and they need to type in the words, the name of the company, Class Action Suits, because you need to find out if that company is already under investigation so you can jump on it and, you know, that kind of thing.
0: Well, so, even before it happens, right? Well, right, so right. If, yes, if yes you
1: need to know.
0: Right. If you're considering a hospice, then if you go in there and type that in, then you at least give a red flag.
1: Right. And then I, and it, then another thing that came into my mind, you know, sometimes people go in to look for look at, 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 at a death, by, they have to exhume a body, and then they can prove the death. Because now we have DNA that DNA tests we didn't have a hundred years ago, twenty years ago, forty years ago. But now we have something that allows testing to be done on cremains, and sometimes that's that may be your only means of any kind of evidence at all. Because that's what happened to us. We had no evidence. No, we have no body. We were not. We were not legitimate uh, in the eyes of the law. Eyewitnesses. We have nothing. We have no evidentiary proof. We only know what we've been told by fam- other family members, and it was too late at that point. So the the bottom line is that there should be legislation put into effect that when somebody's cremated, at least a, a, a sufficient sample for testing should be kept wherever that person was cremated, so that should there ever be a question, a test can be done on it. It will show heavy metals. It will show, I don't know everything that it will show, but it will certainly show if heavy metals of some kind in some form were given. And, you you know, heavy metals can be present in a lot of of different things.
0: Well, let me ask Uh, you this. If you you could think about it at the time, and I know at the time all of us are totally racking our brains and and we're confused and, you know, so distraught. But what if you had, during the period of time that your loved one was in the hospice facility and you have a comb or a brush that they had brushed through their hair while they are physically there in the facility, wouldn't that show up, remain? Yes.
1: Oh, absolutely. Now, our problem Interesting. Our problem, of course, was that our loved one was in his own home, which he had signed over. Remember, she got him to sign over the deed to the property, and mm-hmm. that meant that she had the right to throw anybody out of the house, bar them from coming in. In fact, uh, about a week before he he died or was murdered, um, uh, I had a phone call and was told... he's he's been unresponsive all day. And I said, I'm going over. You may have to bail me out of jail, but I'm going to see him, whether heaven falls. And I did. And I drove over, and I knocked on the door, and somebody other than the caregiver nurse wife answered the door, and I went in. And I went over to the, he was on the sofa, slumped over in a terrible state. And I got down on the floor where he could hear me, um, because his eyes, he was blind by that time, probably from the antifreeze. And, um, and I whispered in his ear, and I said, honey, I'm here. And, of course, he knew my voice right away. We were very close. And he bolted straight upright and tried to open his eyes. And no one could believe it. It went all through. No one could believe that he, he had moved or responded to anyone or anything all day. But when I was there and he heard my voice, that was it. He, he sat up. And then by that time, she came out and said, get out of my house. And I said, listen, I don't think you want to have a lot of noise or upset. I'm going to see him. He was my son, too. He was my son for, he was not like a second son to me for 15 years. Mm-hmm. And I love him, and I'm going to see him. So if you're going to call the police, Then you go call the police, and I'm going to visit with him. And when they come, I'll leave. That's the way it's going to be. Now, I suggest that you just go do whatever you need to do, and I'll be quiet over here. And that's what I did. And then the police came, and he said, you have to leave. And I said, I'm leaving now. And that was the end of that. (laughs) So, uh
0: Well, he probably, when he heard your voice, he was probably assured by that and hoped you could help him. And that's what's so sad because he trusted you, he loved you, and, you know, to him, maybe you're there to help him because they say the hearing is last to go and that I believe that they have a sense of this is very, very wrong. Something is very wrong. Now, was she a hospice nurse or just a nurse?
1: No, she was a she hospice was a nurse. hospice
0: nurse. She was a hospice
1: nurse and um yeah. And and the, the sad thing is uh, that he, you know, prior to his relationship with her, I uh he had had a a recent workup on his health. He was in perfect condition. He had nothing wrong with him. And then he started to start he started to feel sick and then he you know, they saw the medication. They, you know, whatever. But nobody would listen to us. This is the, this is the most horrifying thing. And I hope that none of your other readers, you know, I mean, your listeners, have ever experienced this. It's the most horrifying thing to know that someone you love is going to be murdered, and nobody. It's like you're screaming from the bottom of a well. Right. And, right. And 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 yeah, you, you have to know how much this man was loved. You've got wife number 1, wife number 2, and and mother and ex-mother-in-law, former mother-in-law. And we haven't we've never given up because we're his voice, we're his angels, and we will never give up that something will come forward that we will be able to finally uh bring this, you know, bring this to some kind of an of, of justice. Justice, um, right? So what I want to encourage people to do is Put a group together. Put a grassroots group together. Get to your legislators. Call your legislators. Call, um, you know, your senator, your congressman, and say we we want a hotline. We're gonna we want to form. We're gonna form a hotline. We want we want this put into legislation, and that's their job. Their job is to listen. Their job is to, and 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 be very. Um, you know, like like I told the girls when I started this uh, re-investigation, when we decided to revisit this uh, ten years later, um, I said, you know, when you want to accomplish something, we we have to get the emotion out of it. We have to ask the right questions. We have to we have to get to the truth, even if the truth isn't what we want to hear. But we have to get to it. We have to know what happened. We have to. Uh, get to the bottom of we have to get we have to prove motive means opportunity we have to we have to know who benefited the most what was the motive and for a long time it was thought oh it was oh it was for money in the end she didn't get a penny the the Mm -hmm. house was uh, there was no money there was no real estate in the end there was nothing and there wasn't anything before he there was nothing really that she was going to get it wasn't about money It was, and now uh, I think probably it may have to do with the fact that there was a concurrent case, you know, uh, from Care Alternatives that I think a lot of people may be working there, like the people in VITAS. As you know, VITAS had a huge problem in 2011 with all of, uh, with some of the nurses coming forward and saying, we're being told to execute people.
0: So, and in Texas, you know about the Texas thing. The Frisco, and then there's Karras. Yeah. I mean, there's several of them. Um, That was one of the things that that, um, I was going to go over tonight is who's doing this and how do they do it. And You know, they're serial killers. Um, You can't do what they do with total discompassion towards the patient and not have something seriously wrong with you. Well, I agree. Day in, day out you know round the clock there's no way that there's not something missing and something broken that you can kill people and go home and have no remorse for it it's just a, it's a power thing I,
1: th- I think it's i think it's people that are i i um i think that these are people that have uh, they they are they have they're deranged i mean they really are deranged and and uh, now i i'm not sure if you're aware of um, there was a case in 1908. It's, yeah, and if you, if people look it up on the Internet, all you have to do is look up um, nurse murders 12 children, 1908. You'll find the case. So there was a nurse working a children's ward. She killed all 12 children. They did not find out until they did not ever get to the bottom of it for years later, and then it all surfaced.
0: Well, there are, um, and that was one of the things that I had to go over a lot of different cases mm-hmm. um, where they, where the children, where people were murdered, and it was doctors or mostly nurses, and that's why mm-hmm. I say that's who you have to be careful about is the nurses. Um, yeah. What I yeah. would like to propose. And I I think we're still on air. I think we have a few more minutes before we get cut. But what I would like to propose, if it's okay with you, for you to have a repeat, you know, if you would like to come back, if you feel like that there are more things that you would like to discuss about this case and warning signs, um, we could do that if if you wanted to do that. Because I know you had um, many things that you wanted to Go over and point.
1: I, I think I I think pretty much I encapsulated it. I identified the things that, if the, the things that I identified were if they were in place, things would have been very different. And, uh, and I think the the most important message that I have to say to people, aside from these objectives. Is that if you feel in any way, shape, or form that something's not right, don't tell yourself that you know you, I must be crazy. Or if after your loved one is deceased, don't let people tell you it's time to move on. You're you're just
0: you, you don't ever move on from people. Let it go. People, well, that's you, what you people, don't want somebody to just say. Oh, yeah. Let it go. You can't let murder go without trying to do something. You have to tell people, you have to warn people, and you have to try to seek some justice for your loved one. And I'm not talking about a monetary justice. I'm talking about, like you're saying, legislative change, that this doesn't happen. You shouldn't be allowed that. You know, that situation was very different because it was a wife-slash-caregiver. But when someone goes into a hospice facility, they should not be allowed to give these drugs, these toxic drugs, with no consent. They don't discuss it with the patient or the family. They just start drugging them and putting them into a coma, and they kill them. And there's no way that they don't know this is going to be the end result. But your situation was a perfect murder storm
1: because it, nobody it, it was, was going
0: to question. She was there at the house. She had the means to do it. She had all kinds of drugs. Using an antifreeze is like sick and I know that he had issues, um, lesions on his liver that ha- could have been.
1: Well, the lesions, The lesions. okay, he, he had a 16-hour operation to uh, rid his he had a liver bile a bile duct cancer. Now your bile but duct. But he was what,
0: healthy when he first married her. He didn't have when, that when he, when he first married her. Healthy when he
1: first married. Then right. Right. And then right. and then what happened? Then what happened was he got the bile duct uh, cancer. That was a 16 hour operation. He was free of cancer then, but then the lesions appeared. Now, lesions are very – your liver is the only organ that will regrow, reheal. You can cut a chunk of it off. It will grow back. Livers are amazing. And they're like weeds, you know. And um, at the time, my ex-husband, who absolutely adored him, said, listen, I'm going to come down to Jersey. I'm going to get him. I'm going to bring him up here to Connecticut. Uh, There's a a laser uh, treatment, uh, cancer treatment up here for liver. I'm going to come get him. He'll stay with me. And and when he's done with treatment, I'll bring him back. Uh, this is how much this man was loved. You, haven't, you, <laughs> you know, you mm-hmm. have uh, all these people. And the problem was we could not get past the grid. She was going to have anybody arrested that came near the house. She had her minion who was, uh, you know, she just had she was she had him well guarded no one was getting to him at all
0: so, uh, and
1: and and she could do that because his his name was no longer on the deed to the house
0: right so if you see something say something right and, and i if think somebody had gone forward right you know somebody's somebody family you know a mom have, a
1: right sibling, they, right right if they could if they could and you know and i i I just think that people get afraid because they don't know they they get old, they get older I mean since then you know uh, a lot of the family members sadly have passed on, but people just get paralyzed in fear and i I remember saying, well, I'm going to go on the radio right. and you know, aren't it's, you afraid no i'm not
0: a, no I'm not afraid because right because you want to say it um and our we are 20 seconds, but I want to thank you for coming on, and I am so sorry that we got cut short. I I don't understand what what happened. So, uh, Marty just got the warning on it. (laughs) So, thank you so much for coming on tonight and for sharing that story with us. Take care now. Thank you. Okay, and for everybody else, um, we have another program scheduled in two weeks, and since we can't get Katie back on this one, we'll discuss some of the other issues at a later time. So good night to everyone. And, Katie, again, I am so sorry that we had issues tonight. Oh, no, no, it's fine. Don't worry. Be well. Bye-bye. Okay, thank you. Good night. Good night, everyone.